0: Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we continue our reflections into these special topics. This is Special Topic Thursday, which is tailored to your questions, right? I uh, receive your questions, and I just kind of take a look at them and kind of get a sense and and pray with what I need to respond to. So uh, Thursday is about you and your questions. And uh, today's question, a very important question, is this. Where does the word Catholic come from, and what are the biblical foundations to that word, if any? Okay, so there you have it. (laughs) This really gets to, uh, cuts to the chase, right? Where does the word Catholic come from, and what are the biblical foundations to that word? So that is going to be the essence of our subject matter, and uh, I am going to be talking about this with Debbie Rizal she is back. So Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. It's great to be here. So Debbie, one of the things that lies underneath this question before we get into the specifics of the question is well maybe you heard it at the very end what are the biblical foundations uh, to that word if any right (laughs) if any and why because we don't have the word catholic per se in sacred scripture no In point of fact there are a lot of things Mm -hmm. that the catholic church teaches that the words in of themselves are not in sacred scripture that being said as i have explored on more than one occasion here on Seeds of Truth, everything the Catholic Church teaches, at least in its seed form, is in Sacred Scripture. But where does the Catholic Church get off talking about any one thing that is not explicitly in Sacred Scripture? I mean, this really is something, Debbie, I get asked on a regular basis, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so to answer that question, I want to go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, listen to Paul. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15. So then brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us either by word of mouth or by letter. Either by word of mouth or by letter. So there St. Paul is talking about what? Not only sacred scripture, letter, right, but also sacred tradition, huh, by word of mouth. Now, I know um, before we came on air here, Debbie, uh, we were looking at the catechetical definition of sacred scripture and sacred tradition. So why don't you go ahead and read those?
1: And this is uh, paragraph 81 of the Catechism. Sacred scripture is the speech of God, as it is put down in writing under the breath of the Holy Spirit. And holy tradition transmits in its entirety the word of God, which has been entrusted to the apostles, by Christ the Lord and the Holy Spirit. It transmits it to the successors of the apostles so that, enlightened by the Spirit of truth, they may faithfully persevere, expound, and spread it abroad by their preaching.
0: Amen. So, essentially, sacred tradition, then, is the oral transmission of truth, if you will, where sacred scripture is truth put down on paper, both of which is what? inspired by the holy spirit mm-hmm. right the authors of sacred scripture were under the inspiration the influence of the holy spirit and <laughs> the apostles handing on the faith we're doing so under the inspiration of the holy spirit we read in first corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 debbie we talked about this in great detail in our uh, treatment of first corinthians i commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the what traditions mm-hmm even as i have delivered them to you so there paul is actually defining what tradition is the tradere in the latin to hand on to deliver mm-hmm. okay that's what's going on here we read in his epistle to timothy some important words if you have your bibles out there if you want to turn to paul's first epistle to timothy first timothy chapter 6 verse 20 listen to what he has to say to timothy O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Right. Well, what has been entrusted to him? The (laughs) oral transmission of faith. Right. By the way, the Greek there for guard and entrust as paratheke, essentially guard by handing on. Okay, you guard by teaching. In point of fact, the paratheke in the Greek, Debbie was this classical system of education based on storytelling, based on teaching. We must remember something, that you have 20 years, 20 years of a salvific sacramental church before you have a single written letter. Because if Jesus Christ died in, what, roughly 33 AD, it wasn't until roughly 51, 52 AD that you have the first epistle written. So what do you do with those 20 years? Well here steps in, sacred tradition Mm -hmm. to help us better understand how our Lord communicated himself to the people of God. You go to the Gospel of John, uh, the end of the Gospel of John, and what does John say? The the final verses of the Gospel of John. I mean, this is uh, quite striking. John chapter 21, verse 25. But there are also many other things which Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written
1: oh for sure
0: (laughs) i mean does that not give way debbie to the need at the very least to reflect into not only what john is saying but what saint paul Mm -hmm. was saying and oh by the way what jesus himself said Mm -hmm. i send you forth i'm commissioning you to baptize and teach we are all teachers in the one teacher of christ Mm. And we can only teach as Christ did by the grace of the Holy Spirit. So here you have a sacred tradition helping us better understand why we use words. And oh, by the way, Debbie, something we should take stock in, a lot of denominations today use words that are not in sacred scripture or oh, yeah. use phrases that are not in sacred mm-hmm. scripture. I have a lot of Brothers and sisters in Christ who believe in the rapture.
1: Right. Show you, me where that is. You will not find word. the word rapture
0: in sacred right. scripture. Okay, fine. You can believe that. Sure. Um, but if you believe that, don't be critical of where you don't see the word mm-hmm. Catholic. Mm-hmm. But again, in saying that, Debbie, maybe we should get to where the word Catholic was first coined. Right. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So I know you have St. Ignatius of Antioch.
1: So we have this writing of uh, the Bishop of Antioch, St. Ignatius who was a contemporary of St. Polycarp, who uh, Joe has spoken about many times on this program. So this is a letter from Ignatius to Smyrna, where Polycarp is bishop. And this is what he writes. Wherever the bishop appears, there let the people be, as wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church.
0: Amen. So
1: for our listening audience...
0: That is in, what, 105 A.D.?
1: Uh, yeah. That was about. the
0: first time that the word Catholic was coined. So mm-hmm. what does that word mean? Well, katholike, mm-hmm. uh, or katholikos, whether mm-hmm. it's singular or plural. You break down the Greek root there and its compound. Katahule, right, essentially means pertaining to the whole, what is complete, or universal. Universal. So, so, mm-hmm. so what St. Ignatius of Antioch is saying there is that the Church— that Jesus Christ came to establish, that is certainly highlighted in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. We've talked about that in great, great detail. The church that Jesus Christ came to establish is universal. Right. Right?
1: Yeah, he didn't exclude anyone. No.
0: No, and by the (laughs) way, we don't speak of the Catholic Church as a denomination for this very reason. Right. Right, because ultimately, if it's universal, then there's only one denomination. So you just mentioned St. Polycarp of Smyrna, Debbie, and it's interesting to note that he too used the word Catholic a few years after. Now, St. Polycarp and St. Ignatius of Antioch are very relevant because who did they learn from? Who were they at the feet of? Mm -hmm. But St. John, the apostle himself. Right. They were disciples of John. Yes. We were talking before, um, it is believed that St. John actually ordained Mm St. Polycarp of Smyrna. Right. St. Polycarp of Smyrna is probably the most well-connected man in the ancient church, because not only did he learn at the feet of St. John, and he was a peer to St. Ignatius Mm -hmm. of Antioch, one St. Irenaeus of Lyon learned at the feet of St. Polycarp of Smyrna. So a very connected man. Mm -hmm. And all of this is relevant, because what do we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 20? You are fellow citizens with the saints... And members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles, mm-hmm. right? So Jesus commissions the apostles. He sends them forth to sacramentalize and catechize, mm-hmm. right? To, to baptize and to teach. And in that commissioning, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and in the gift of the Holy Spirit, they lay the foundation, mm-hmm. right? And when you read the book of Acts, what do you quickly discover? That this church expands quickly, quickly, right? You number 3,000 pretty quick. And ultimately, it is an appreciation that the church Jesus Christ came to establish isn't for Jew, Gentile, mm-hmm. but no, all people, all. right? Mm-hmm. And this is what lies at the heart of the word itself. Jew, Gentile, Greek alike, as we read in uh, the Gospel of John. Now, Debbie, the other part of this question is, what are the biblical foundations to that word And I was reflecting with that part of the question, Mm -hmm. and I think the quickest way to get at that question is to go back, um, hit that word covenant, and really how God has revealed himself in salvation history. Mm -hmm. When you look at the Old and New Testaments, what do you find? Well, you find your family heirloom, your spiritual family tree. Why? Because God in his deepest mystery is not some abstract solitude, but as St. John Paul II would say, he is family. Why? Because he has Mm -hmm. fatherhood, sonship, and the essence of family, which is love. And so this is what he communicates. He communicates his very identity. So from the outset, after the fall, he enters into this this covenant with Adam, whereby you have two. And we know uh, what happens soon thereafter. Noah is called to build the ark right? To mm-hmm. start anew. Right. And he establishes this covenant with Noah. This covenant where Noah and his household enter into this profound relationship with God. And again, when you talk about covenant, you're not talking about just an exchange of things, but right. an exchange of persons, persons, right? Not this is yours and this is mine, but I am yours and you are mine. This is what covenant life is all about. So God enters into a covenant relationship with Adam, mm-hmm. where you have two, and then he enters into a covenant relationship with Noah, where you have a household. There's eight, right? Mm-hmm. Noah, his wife, his three children, their wives. And then you have a sign that's right. bound to this covenant. We know the story. When you see the bow in the sky, mm-hmm. know that I am with you. Remember this covenant. And so we see the rainbow as a covenant sign to this very specific uh, event that is recorded in Genesis six, seven, eight, nine. Then when you follow the narrative, you have Abraham, where he enters into a covenant relationship with Abraham. It's it's a tribal covenant, right? Mm -hmm. You you move from two, Adam and Eve, to a household with Noah, and now what we quickly see is that God's family love expands. Now it's tribal. Mm -hmm. And with that tribal covenant, you have a sign, and that sign is what but circumcision. Mm -hmm. If you go to Genesis 12, Genesis 17, and Genesis 21, there you read of this threefold covenant where circumcision is the sign, and by sign we mean the sign of God's love. And so after Abraham you have Moses, and with Moses you have this national covenant, of Mm -hmm. course. What we read about in Exodus 12, the sign there is Passover. Then we have the great covenant God made with David, a kingdom covenant, and it expands there because kingdoms rule nations, right? Nations are bigger than tribes. But kingdoms are bigger than nations because they rule nations. And the sign there, if rainbow is a sign and circumcision is a sign and, and Passover is a sign to the, to the Mosaic covenant, then the throne is a sign. Kingship. Yeah, kingship. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, what is that great passage that we read about in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 10, 11, and following? What does God say to David through the prophet Nathan? I will be with you forever. Mm-hmm. Your kingdom shall I establish, mm-hmm. not for a hundred years, three hundred years, five hundred years, but forever. Forever. So you have these covenants made in the Old Testament with Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David, and as they are made, we see God's covenant family expanding. Right. Because love expands. Because love expands. Amen. Amen, <clears throat> Debbie. And that's so so important when you get to the heart again of the very life of God, mm-hmm. the very life of God in the Trinity of love given in the Father, love received in the Son, and love shared in the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Love by its very nature expands, right? So you have this expansion mm-hmm. of God's love for his people.
1: And you think, what could be greater than that? Yeah, You do. That's, that's the question you ask. Well, <laughs> but we, there is. <laughs> yes, we have just
0: spoken to it. This new covenant is for all people. Hence it is cataholique. It is universal. It Mm -hmm. is international, right? But the question though for us, that begs to be asked, Debbie, is if there was a sign tied to all of those major covenants in the Old Testament, those covenants with Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David, then what about the Great International Covenant? Which, oh by the way, is the New Covenant, right? If the Old Covenant is everything we just talked about from Adam to David, then the New Covenant is how Jesus Christ fulfills the Old Covenant, and He gives us a sign. But the question again, Debbie, is what is the sign, or what are those signs? We just spoke to the commissioning. Baptism is the sign of the New Covenant, and of course the Eucharist is the second sign of the New Covenant. As the blood and water spill from the side of Christ, you have the water symbolizing baptism baptism, and the blood, of course, the Eucharist. So baptism and the Eucharist are the signs of the new covenant, are the signs of the new covenant church. Now, Debbie, earlier this week, I was reflecting into Paul's usage of new covenant, Mm -hmm. and so we really went deep into this phrase, new covenant, because when you go back into Luke chapter 22, verse 20, there in the upper room, Jesus says something that I've always held to be most fascinating when you really get underneath what he's saying. So again, if you have your Bibles out, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 22, verse 20, I am doing the same right now. So Luke chapter 22, verse 20, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, the Greek word there for covenant is diatheke. What is so striking about this particular verse, Debbie, is ultimately diatheke is what is later translated as what but testament you know earlier we were talking about where do you get off using words that are not in sacred scripture well we have to remember something old testament new testament is not what the books of the bible were originally called they were called the apostolic documents it wasn't until the end of the fourth century in 395 a.d with the council of hippo did we get the new testament as we know it today but even When they were understood as the apostolic documents. If New Testament was being talked about Mm -hmm. among the early Christians, it first had the context of, well, what Jesus Christ was just talking about, his very body and blood, what we read more about in John 6. Essentially, Debbie, if you heard the word New Testament being talked about in, in the catacombs, it was the Eucharist. Because when he says that this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, he was testifying, ultimately, to the outpouring of his Father's love, and this is what the New Covenant is about. We ask the question, where is the Mass in the New Testament? Mm-hmm. The Mass is the New Testament, insofar as the Mass is the Eucharist, right? right. So very, very important, and again, the term Testament doesn't come along until mid-third century. Mm-hmm. and I believe it was Tertullian who was trying to find a word, a Latin word, that would translate the Greek diatheke, but the Greek doesn't have a word for that. Marturia is witness, but that wasn't used, Mm -hmm. so they used the word testamentum, and ultimately what was the new covenant was understood as the new testament. So the new testament wasn't a corpus of books per se, but the corpus of Christ himself, and that's really what gets to the heart of it. Remember, Jesus Christ did not say, write this. He mm-hmm. said, do this. Right. The first commandment alongside of the two great commandments wasn't put ink into paper. No, it was what? Do this in remembrance do of this. me. Right. right. So the apostles were simply following a command, Debbie. Right. Following the command to do what? To celebrate Eucharist. To celebrate the Mass, to celebrate the sacred liturgy. And so this is why we read in Acts 1 and 2... The first christians doing what celebrating the liturgy Mm -hmm. and there they became one right Right. there they became one as we read in the book of acts so when you ask the question what are the biblical foundations to that word once you understand what jesus is saying in Mm -hmm. luke chapter 22 verse 20 and what paul echoes in first corinthians Corinthians. chapter 11 Mm -hmm. verses 22 23 and following you can now understand the very unique relationship between Covenant Testament and the Catholic Church because the Eucharist is the sign of <laughs> what is everything Catholic. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church ceases to be who she is in her very identity if she doesn't have the liturgy.
1: You know, Satan understands the power of Eucharist and Holy Mass more than we do. Yep, yep. And that's, a, that's quite the statement to say. But he sees the effect the power within—he can see that spiritually. Mm-hmm. We don't see that. He can see that spiritually. He sees what happens to us when we receive the Eucharist. We light up. Yeah, yeah. We light up with the with the uh, the gifts uh, um, the, uh, with with divine life with with Christ's very life. Yeah, um, that's powerful. Yeah. And the cleaner we are, if we've recently been to confession and, and trying to live a holy life, the more power. Yeah. The more yeah. it gets in. Yeah. So, what is he going to attack? He's going to attack the light, right? Yeah, the because, darkness tries to overtake darkest, yes. the light.
0: Yes. But it can't.
1: No, it doesn't right? win. He doesn't win. Yeah. And we know but that. He, but he's yeah. sure trying hard, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> he's going right. to take some down with him in the. Yeah. It's something
0: we have to remember, and I never miss a chance to talk about this, because once again, it gets to the heart of the New Testament as it's tied to the Eucharist. What does the word gospel mean? It means good news, yes, uh, the, the heralding of good news, but it also means transforming message, a message that saves, a message that saves, a message that is salvific. Well, what is more salvific? What is more transforming than Jesus Christ himself. Right. When he says in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, he's saying this is the good news. This is the transforming, saving message. Why? Because what does the word salvation mean? The word salvation comes from a a Latin that simply means to heal, the, the Latin there, Isn't save. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, I love it, that. it really is. To heal. Sa- save, to, mm-hmm. to
1: be a salve. Yeah. To, a salve.
0: Yes, God's healing balm. Yes. God's healing balm. So salvation, at its very core, means to restore one to proper health. Mm-hmm. What restores one to proper health more than confession in the Eucharist? Right. What Jesus wants us to understand is, live in the sacraments, mm-hmm. and ultimately, you will be A light to your family, to your neighborhood, to your community, to your church, to to your church, (laughs) to all the world. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the church is universal. The church is universal. So when we ask the question, my friends, where does the word Catholic come from and what are the biblical foundations to that word, if any, we have to remember that we interpret Mm the sacred scripture for what it says, Mm -hmm. right? And in the light of that interpretation, we engage, yes, the letter, but also what was being shared by word of mouth.
1: If all we needed was sacred scripture, then Jesus would have written it and handed it to us. Yep. But there's something so much more. But there's more. Yeah, there's something
0: so much more. And that's
1: not what he wanted to have happen.
0: Yeah. And my hope, Debbie, it is always my hope that on Special Topic Thursday a day that is tailored to the listening audience's questions, this might give impetus to new dialogue. Mm. I have found myself in many, many new conversations uh, because of this radio program, and since we've been doing this special topic Thursday, I have been in uh, several more conversations about some of the things we have been talking about, because ultimately, hopefully, by the grace of God, this evening is um, meeting the people where they are at, Mm -hmm. and so we can only do that in and by God's grace. I think the, the big thing, the big takeaway for me, Debbie, as I was preparing and we were reflecting, is we need to be humble. I need to be humble. You need to be humble. The people of God need to humble themselves Amen. before the word of God, mm-hmm. mindful that whatever we understand about sacred scripture, God is calling us to go deeper. Mm-hmm. I say that because I have talked about this, I don't know how many times, but every time I go to something that I've already talked about, God wants me to see something new. Right. Right? Why do we talk about something again and again? Because God is always disclosing himself. Right. And so I say that to our brothers and sisters out there because God wants to share something with you. Mm-hmm. And if there's something that struck a chord, please don't hesitate to email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com or as always, you can go to my website at joeholcraft.org. Um, I had someone say, hey, Joe, I've always been spelling your name H-O-1-L. So it's joeholl 2 lcr aft.org just hit the contact link button there wherever you are right wherever you are hit the contact link button there send your question uh, message observation comment on its way and i will gladly engage whatever is on your heart if you think what we have been talking about here this evening is just way off the mark and that we've missed something please please you are the person i want to talk to i would love to engage um, your understanding of, of what we have talked about so that we might come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, Debbie, let's close with a word of prayer. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.